All right, how's it going, everybody? Uh, today, I have Trevor Fulbright on. And um, Trevor is a personal trainer. He's also an in-the-trenches, uh, you know, bodybuilder, um, what I would say. Like, he doesn't compete, um, but he has a very principled approach to um, the way he trains and the way he diets and obviously the way he helps people as well, which is becoming more of a common thing. Um, but I still feel like, um, there's a lack of good, um, trainers out there and a lack of people who follow a principled approach. So I thought it would be really cool to have Trevor on to kind of talk about his approach, how he found, um, a more evidence-based practice with, with how he helps people and, and um, himself as well, and, um, kind of get a dialogue started around, um, that as well. So how are you doing today, Trevor? Doing pretty good. How about you, man? Doing good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was asking before you, you, your main occupation is uh, personal training, correct? Yeah. Cool. Um, and like, how, how did you find um, maybe fitness and, and, and bodybuilding style training? How did you get into personal training? Uh, so I got into personal training. I'm also a massage therapist. Oh, okay. And I, I felt like in the massage therapy world, you have a lot of uh, this thing where, you know, people are saying like, oh, I'm going to help you with your back, your neck, you know, I'm going to help get you out of pain and all that stuff. And a lot of it just comes from, uh, you know, people, they are inactive, they don't have any good movement they're doing. And so I found that I didn't want to be one of those massage therapists that, you know, the same person was coming every single week, trying to get better, not getting anywhere. And it's like, I feel like I would be stealing from them. So I started to uh, study a little bit more in-depth kinesiology than some of the things I did in massage therapy school. And I was giving just kind of like uh, little ideas for like workouts people could do just to get themselves up moving off their desk, things like that, you know, along with some stretches to kind of help with those people. And over the years of doing that, I decided like, I wanted to do more than just this. And I decided, you know, I'm going to look to do personal training. So, you know, did what everyone does and just pick a random certification online, kind of realized pretty quickly that the certification doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, you can pick from any number of them. And, you know, I I don't want to get too far into, I don't want to sound like I'm bad-mouthing any certifications or any of their curriculums or programs, but they all have a very, very specific program that's like, you do this, and this is the only thing you can do, and anything else is wrong. And I also didn't like that, because uh, a lot of it didn't make sense. Uh, throughout that whole time, I was training myself, um, and initially, I had gotten into powerlifting, and so I learned a lot about uh, movement. Uh, so how to squat, how to squat, you know, properly, how to you know, get full depth, things like that, how to deadlift, how to bench press properly. And so I took a lot of that into training clients because I found that simply just doing exercise, you know, through a full range of motion and doing it properly kind of bridged that gap of what I was doing with the massage therapy, which was trying to help people feel better and move better. And also 
personal training is, you know, when you're talking about gen pop, pop clients, it's, you know, move better, feel better, look better. And so initially it was just that kind of like powerlifting style programming kind of melding in a way that, you know, obviously fits more gen pop clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, Over the years, I, I got kind of burned out of powerlifting, uh, especially I I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well and pretty much was hurt like every other week (laughs) between powerlifting and Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Uh, so at that point, I had actually got to go out to a seminar with Mike Isertel and James Hoffman and talk to them a lot. And it kind of sparked the idea of getting into bodybuilding training. Yeah. And you know, if anyone knows, you know, Mike Isertel and the whole RP crew, they know they, you know, the kind of their big proponents are, you know, technique first, slower range of motion first, you know, and obviously you have to you know, then progress load and things like that, but the the foundation should be off of good technique and a full range of motion yeah and so i kind of moved that a lot of those ideas even further than i was into just training general population clients um and kind of what i do when i'm training clients is i feel that the best way to train them is essentially like any bodybuilder would train yeah you know, it's obviously, it's not going to be the same volumes and loads and all that, right, right. but I mean, it's people want to feel better and look better. You know, that's pretty much what physique training is. Right. So yeah, just to a lesser degree, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no one's going to be doing a two hour leg workout when they no. just want to like look a little better for the beach. Well, no, and it's crazy. So I, I had this conversation with you. Um, I just got back into personal training and it's the first time I've done it with like a lot of RP's methods before I had a certification and I found the same thing that you said, where it was like, I didn't, I didn't use a lot of the stuff in the cert uh, because I had some other knowledge and, and I had other ways of how I wanted to do things. And um, again, with, with some of the certs, I don't think like there's, there's not a whole lot. I mean, they touch on some principles and things like that, but um, it just didn't feel like it was super valuable. Um, and, and, and so I was kind of lost and I actually backed out of personal training altogether to kind of refine like what's, um, you know, how I wanted to approach it. And I found the same thing, like, and, and like, like I said, or like you said, it's to a lesser degree, right? I, I have people that I get in for 30 minutes and it's just like, I, I mean, I'll, I'll someone, like someone will come to me and they're like, okay, I want to do six days a week. And I'm like, look, just 30 minutes, like three times a week, you'll be fine. Yep. Like you, you're, you haven't been training the likelihood you're going to be able to sustain that's really low. And the results that I'm able to produce with that are crazy. Right. Um, And, and I think it's super powerful um, that style training. And obviously you're not going to be having them do powerlifting training. Right. Um, You're not going to have them doing super low reps or anything like that either. Uh, But the principles, like I mentioned, and like you use is, 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 is the foundation, right. Having the good technique there, having a good range of motion, obviously keeping them from getting injured is a huge part of it too. Um, Yeah. um, To kind of backtrack a little bit. So as far as as far as massage therapy, there are some people who kind of like, you know, foo-foo it, but as far as that, how do you think that, like, how do you use it? And I, and I, I'll make a comment. I assume that a lot of the massage therapy is facilitating movement. And then like, say you have someone, and I'm sure you have people where you have massage therapy and then you actually train them as well. Um, I'm mm-hmm. assuming you do something like that. So you kind of 
maybe use massage therapy to facilitate movement, right? Maybe they have some uh, lack of, of mobility and then you take them into training and, and train through those ranges. Is that kind of how that works or? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a big proponent. And like, even during the session, when I do massage these days, it's a lot different than, you know, go to a spa and, you know, have someone rub your back. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, I'm testing range of motion, things like that. And I'm basically just trying to free up range of motion and, you know, however, however I go about doing that and then move them through that range of motion to kind yeah. of uh, establish it and solidify it for the people. And I find that with most people, you know, if someone comes in and they're like, man, my shoulder is killing me, you know, we'll do 20 minutes of some body work and stuff. And then we'll do, you know, some range of motion exercises, some light loading exercises. And I have, you know, okay, move it around again. Tell me how it's feeling. They're like, oh, it feels way better. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people, it's, you know, almost an easy way to explain it. The way I explain it to clients is we're just kind of desensitizing the body to the pain and allowing you to move where your body didn't want to before. Okay. It's not that you have some, you know, weird, you know, restriction uh, or, you know, massage therapy is weird. I don't like the term uh, like adhesions or scar tissue. You know, right. we're not having that. That's not building up. That's not what's causing us to not move our muscles. It's the body trying to keep us out of a range that it finds dangerous at the current time. And so just kind of getting the body to relax and allowing them to move will almost eliminate it immediately. Okay. So, so why does, why does that occur then? Why, why, like, would I have some pain that that is, uh, you know, causing me to not move, right? Or, or. Uh, it could be, you know, any number of things uh, for a lot of just like general population clients, you know, you have the typical person that sits at a desk for nine to five. They're kind of hunched over and they just kind of get stuck in that position. And then they try to, you know, kind of breach their neck up and it's just a position they're not used to being in. And so their okay. body fights back against it. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've heard a lot of that terminology and I never really um, liked it either. And I couldn't really tell why, but like the adhesions and, and kind of asking the whys of like massage therapy, because I've seen massage therapists in the past and, um, I just, I, uh, I was always like questioning, like, is this really like, it was like a, not really a, uh, yeah. uh, a, a proper term. Right. So that's really uh, useful to know. Um, and I think that's really cool. So, yeah. uh, when, so one of the worst is you see the cupping and you see the yeah. bruises everywhere and they're like, Oh, pulling toxins out. I'm like, pulling <laughs> have you seen people, people do it to the point where they bleed. Have you seen that? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Insane. Yeah. I have a cupping kit under my, uh, uh, sink because i did it for a while <laughs> I, had a, I had a chiropractor who did it on me yeah yeah super not useful but anyway weird weird wacky world right right exactly that's really cool i didn't actually know that that's that's super um helpful to know as well like uh i, I hear people use a lot of this ne like nebulous terms and stuff around massage so trying to yeah. facilitate movement taking them through the range um so you and, and by doing massage you're kind of inhibiting the pain that is preventing them from moving that's what's happening. Yeah. yeah okay cool that's really cool okay cool um so yeah uh, as far as um everything else uh i i think you have mentioned on your stories before that you maybe from your transition from powerlifting to bodybuilding you had lost a lot of weight uh so it was before that um okay i it's 10 years now uh this year but 
at my heaviest, I was 350 pounds. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was a big boy. Yeah. And uh, from my heaviest to my lightest, I went from 350 to 175. So 175 pounds. Wow. Wow. Um, and it was later on when I got into powerlifting. Um, I definitely didn't do that initial weight loss in the way I would ever suggest somebody do it now. Yeah. Um, when I eventually got into powerlifting a little bit later, it was largely because I needed something as a focus okay. that wasn't okay. just lose more weight. Right, right. Definitely. So, so um, how, and, and obviously not recommending this, how did you initially lose the weight? And if people, if people have heard this or not before, um, the success rate of weight loss over a three-year period is like 5% or something like that. Yeah. So what made you a part of that 5%? (laughs) Um, so there's a whole story behind why I initially lost some weight. Um, the shortened version of it is I was with a girl for a long period of time. Yeah. And we had a very, very nasty breakup. Okay. And so I, I had friends tell me like, Hey, you need to get in the gym. You know, it'll give you something to kind of keep your mind busy. You lose some weight. She'll see you. She'll be like, Oh my God, what I do. <laughs> so that's what I did. That's I awful. started, uh, you know, just, uh, working out with a buddy a little bit. A lot of it was just walking. Um, I started doing Muay Thai, Thai kickboxing a couple times a week with him. Yeah. And, yeah sort of changed my diet, which I can get into in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that and I lost like in the first year, probably about a hundred pounds. Wow. Um, and then just the cherry on top of that whole story is, uh, the guy she left me for, uh, she got married to, and they invited me to the wedding. So I got oh, to go really? to the wedding after losing like a hundred <laughs> pounds. Oh, so, no. Yeah. That's crazy. It's funny that that's a, uh, I mean, long-term story. It's like breakups that that saying breakups make bodybuilders. Yeah. <laughs> you're, the, you're the epitome of that. <laughs> so, so yeah, as far as like, so what did you do? Were you just like restricting a food group? I've, a lot of people generally do that or. I had a whole journey with diet when I first started. Initially the first thing I did, and this is going to sound dumb but I stopped eating frozen pizza every single night. And when I say every single night, I really mean every night I would eat an entire frozen pizza. And then for dessert, I would have like a pint of ice cream or like a fourth of a cake. Mm-hmm. And that was just me every single day. Got it. So at first I was like, you know what? I'm just going <clears> to <throat> eat pizza like two days a week. And then just try to eat clean. That was the only thing. I didn't track calories. I didn't worry about any of that. I just tried to eat clean and not eat pizza all the time. Um, Throughout that whole process, I had probably throughout the years, I've probably tried every single fad diet you can think of, any of them that you've heard of. I've probably tried it. Um, Either, you know, lost weight and then rebounded and gained it all back or maybe lost a little weight and kept it off but ultimately never really had success with all the fad diets. Yeah. Um, the, have you ever heard of the master cleanse? No, I have not. It is one of the craziest ones. So literally you 
make this concoction of like 32 ounces of hot water with like two squeezed lemons in it, uh, okay. maple syrup and cayenne pepper. Okay. And you drink like two of those a day and that's all you do. Mm. And I did that for, I think two weeks and lost like, this was like really early on and I lost like 40 pounds. Oh, wow. And the first meal I ate after that, and this, this is exactly why this doesn't work. The first meal I ate with that was chips and queso, chili cheese fries, and a cheeseburger, which I proceeded to dip into the queso. <laughs> yeah, because you're probably starving from yeah, not exactly. eating for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's what that creates is that, that binge, restrict binge response, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I, I struggle with that, not to a lesser degree, but I, I struggle with that too because of like the black and white thinking of, you know, bodybuilding where there's, there's, there's good foods and there's bad foods. Um, and what I would do is restrict these, you know, bad foods, eat these good foods over here and then get tired of these and then go back to the bad foods and binge on these. And yeah. uh, it's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack there, right? Of like why those diets don't work. Sustainability is a major factor of them too, right? right? So, so where, where did you, like, where was the, the turning point in that, where you were like not doing that as much, where you were able to sustain the weight loss, not rebound? What, what, what kind of changed for you? So I had started doing powerlifting and I was still, I, I, at that time I was deep, deep, deep in the low carb dogma yeah. where, you know, carbs are evil carbs are going to, you know, insulin's going to make you fat. You yeah. Know, carbs are going to kill you. All that stuff. I was deep into that, which still involved like a weekly cheat day. Cause that's what you do on keto. Yeah. Day, right. And, um, I was on juggernaut, uh, training systems website, JTS and yeah. happened to run across an article by Mike Isertel. And it's funny because I remember it was like there was a picture from one of Mike's early shows and I had this and you're going to know exactly this mindset. And I saw his picture and I was like, this guy doesn't look very good. What does he know? Yeah. Um, but I read it and it made a lot of sense to me. And at the time they had like just released their book or were about to release their first diet book. And you know, being that I had done every fad diet, I probably bought every fad diet book on the internet. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'll go ahead and buy this one too. And I read it and I remember, you know, reading in that book, uh, you know, like 400 grams of carbs a day. And I was like, these guys are out of their mind. What are they talking about? Yeah. But I'm also kind of a cheapskate. So I was like, well, I paid for this. So I should probably at least try it. Yeah, yeah. So I did it. And honestly, that that one thing, like trying that was kind of like, it opened my eyes that it's not a single food group or a, a single macronutrient or a, right. a single food <clears throat> item, not gluten or any of that. It just comes down to calories. Right. And that was like the turning point for me that opened my eyes to it. And that was when I was finally able to uh, both actually like successfully diet down. That was the first time I ever dieted down and had abs. Yeah. And I was able to, you know, maintain it without just completely going off the deep end. Yeah. And um, 
So I want to touch on that a little bit. So there's also, there's, there's something, you know, there's things going on in the background, whether this is you had experience with, with the diet, but I, I also, you know, a lot of people know, not everybody, but a lot of people do know that it's a calorie equation. So what are some of like the habits and behaviors that also helped you to facilitate that caloric deficit that allowed you to lose the weight? Yeah. Um, so kind of the few things, one, uh, that I think is really important is, um, routine. Okay. Um, I am a creature of habit through and through. And now I know not everyone is like this. There are people that it, it actually makes it worse for them, but I find yeah. most people are this way, especially during the week. You have a Monday through Friday job. So just having a routine where it's like, I'm eating you know, roughly this for breakfast, and I'm gonna eat roughly this for, di- for lunch. And then you know, depending on where you're at in your life, maybe you're gonna have a little bit more freedom and leeway at dinner. Or you know, if you choose to, you're have, I'm gonna have roughly this for dinner too especially yeah. during the week where you have a more regimented uh, lifestyle structure to it work yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So having that structure is by far the biggest thing for me. Okay. Um, to the point where like I keep canned chicken and canned vegetables around so that if I run out of cooked stuff, I can at least have that. Cause the yeah, last yeah. thing I want to do is come home at the end of the day, realize I don't have anything ready and i have to figure out what to cook that is the worst because if i do that screw it i'm ordering pizza right right and that's how most people are so that structure is the biggest uh habit and kind of daily thing you can get into for most people Uh, and then it's um and it'll be different for everybody but learning the foods that one fill you up and two you enjoy Okay. So I eat pretty much the same thing every day because those foods I enjoy and those foods keep me from being too hungry. Yeah. So, so here, there's a couple of things I want to touch on there. Um, so you have structure. Do you have any form of self-monitoring? Do you, do you track uh, calories? I, I track sort of. Okay. Um, I actually only track every, I don't know, handful of weeks nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did for a long time, and I tell yeah. all my clients like, if you're not tracking calories, track for at least two weeks. Right. Um, and, and because then you can at least see where you're at, see what's going on. Because if you don't right. know, how can you change anything? Yeah. Uh, so that's always how I explain it to my clients. I track for, I think at one point I had like a 1500 day streak on my fitness pal. Oh wow. <laughs> Um, and eventually I was just like, why do I keep doing this? I mean, the same thing every day. Right. Right. So now if I change something, maybe I'll plug things in to get an idea. Um, but that's just an experience thing that's come over time. Yeah. Also is uh, daily weight monitoring and weekly weight averages. Yeah. Um, for me, it's like, that's how I know if I need to, you know, maybe pull back on calories a little bit you know, no matter what phase I'm in, even if I've changed things, I'm not really tracking closely. It's like, you know, if I see my weight is trending up for a couple of weeks and I don't want it to, well, I know like, yeah, I've been a little bit loose with things. So let's kind of, you know, pull the reins in a little bit and boom, it fixes that issue. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's um that's something that I'm becoming a big advocate of and I'm hearing a lot of people have had success with is at least if you don't track initially tracking because that will teach you a lot about your eating habits. Yeah. Um, you know, how much how much you actually need to take in, how much protein you're taking in, a lot of things that would help you to be successful long-term. And that's not like a, that's not necessarily like the long-term strategy, but that's like the initial, like, Hey, look, you need to kind of learn how many calories you're actually taking in. Cause a lot of people underreport their, their caloric yeah. intake. They, they uh, overreport their protein intake a lot of the time too. So, so getting them initially to at least understand what they're eating, maybe change those habits. You also mentioned you generally keep the diet pretty consistent. You don't change a lot of things for the most part, you find some foods you like and you kind of stick to those. Is that kind of how you do that? Yeah, for the most part, um, you know, kind of like I said, on the weekends, I might have a little bit more variability. Yeah. But during the week, it's more or less the same, like four meals. Yeah. And you may, you may rotate a protein yeah. source or a carb source or you something. Know, occasionally, I'll swap a couple of things out. I'll swap a vegetable. I'll yeah. swap a protein for roughly this, you know, a similar same. calorie and macro protein. Yeah, yeah. But the main structure of it is more or less the same. Right, right. So when you understand, hey, look, it doesn't matter if I eat this protein source or this protein source, as long as I get my protein, like to some extent, like obviously you want to have a nutritious diet and I'm definitely a big yeah. advocate of that. But, you know, it's not going to make a difference on your weight loss goal is that you switch, you know, um, pasta for a whole grain bread, right? In the equivalent yeah. amount of carbohydrates, right? And yeah. you're, you're still maintaining that calorie deficit, right? Eating less than you expend per day. Um, so you mentioned that, so we have the, the you have some, some form of self-monitoring weight averages is huge. Um, and I think one of the things I, I try to facilitate and teach is like, Hey, st- you know, eventually some people, maybe it's not the best thing for them. Like the, 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 the daily weight or even like every other day weight may stress them out and there's strategies to approach that, but more so just getting them to look at like the average and say, Hey, look, you know, like I've had people like, I'm not losing weight. I'm not losing weight. And I'm like, Hey, just look at the, I have, I, in my, uh, I built out a spreadsheet that basically says weight difference per week. And it'll, you know, generate yeah. each and like, just look at your weight difference. It's, you know, it's all, it's, it'll be negative. And, but you look at the daily fluctuations and people get stressed out. So getting people to understand that it's the average that makes the difference. Your weight fluctuates day to day from water and sodium yeah, and different yeah. food choices, especially if you're doing, you know, having more flexibility, right. Rotating out food source, uh, food choices, that's really important. Um, so you, you mentioned you have the structure, you have the self-monitoring via the, some tracking, you also kind of just have a consistent plan and then, um, having accessibility to those healthy foods, right? So not mm-hmm. like, this is something I always recommend to people too. you know, have like Trader Joe's has like, um, like, you know, frozen rice and they have like the, the chicken you could throw in your freezer, all that stuff. I'm like, Hey, always have some of that backed up, you know, fro- like the chicken breast that's like, that's frozen and cut, um, some veggies that yeah, are frozen yeah. always have that stuff just on, or canned even as well. Um, because there's not a lot, you know, there's not canned isn't bad for you uh, <laughs> per se, which uh, I used to think that as well. Um, and just having that accessibility because when you're tired, even myself, who's very regimented and, and, and have, has been very strict for a while, if I'm tired, it's so hard to cook a fresh yeah. meal when you don't have a lot of energy. And then especially if you haven't built those habits, it's even harder. And it's like, if you have the habit of normally getting pizza and you're trying to break that habit, you're not setting yourself up for success by not having those foods around. Right. And maybe, and maybe even having some limited accessibility to, to pizza or, or to, um, you know, some of those candies and things like that, like, 
yeah. a, a barrier of entry, right? I don't know if you ever used that strategy. On the, on the uh, accessibility uh, front, have you ever uh, read the book Hungry Brain by Stephen Guillenay? No. Uh, I would, I, it's one I encourage a lot of clients to read. Yeah. Um, in the book, he talks a lot about the, uh, uh, one of the things is like the food palatability reward hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but two, uh, the, the effort required to get food plays a large part into how likely you are to do it. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was hinting on. Yeah. And so it, I, that's why I always talk to people about like, have those foods around that are easy, that require little to no prep. So even if you are just stuck in a situation where you don't have things cooked, it's late, you know, the, you know, your family is screaming at you. You can throw stuff in a bowl, put it in the microwave for five minutes. Boom. There's dinner. Yeah, exactly. You know, cause if, if, you know, you don't have that and you don't have anything ready, the next available option might be to call delivery from someplace. Right. Right. And it's, it, you can potentially stay on track doing that, but it, be, it becomes more difficult for sure. Hugely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a crapshoot of what, what's actually in those foods. Even if you're trying to um, be as healthy as you can, again, it's, it's doable, but it's, it's, it's more difficult for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and it costs money too. I mean, it's way less, it costs way less money to have prepare meals at home. That's a huge thing for me. It's like, yeah, a dollar or $2 a meal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and okay. So, and, 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 and some of those barriers of entry. So like, um, I, I've, I've heard of this too, and, you know, keeping things that you want limited access to in, in higher cupboards. Um, yeah. like, uh, I heard one at Lane Norton said the other day where he, uh, was talking about having people. So if they snacked at nighttime, having them lock their door to their bedroom yeah, from the I've inside, even yeah. from the inside, just having to consciously unlock your door to go into the kitchen was, uh, sometimes a deterrent for people to eat, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, and that could be deleting DoorDash off your phone as well. And, 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 and getting some of those foods that are, you know, or triggers are out of the house as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's really important. And then um, let's see, was there anything else that I wanted to touch on there? Oh, and then, and then as far as, so, so knowing those foods that are um, more satiating, right. Um, and, and, and less satiating, right. And using that to your advantage and then food palatability. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm a big fan of, uh, like looking at that uh, satiety index. Yeah. And my like main carb source, like probably 70% of my carbs are potatoes. Potatoes, yeah, I knew it. <laughs> because, I mean, if, if you've never tried to eat a thousand grams of boiled potato. Yeah. I have a big appetite and that is difficult. Yeah. You are just like halfway through and you're like, I could just never eat another bite of this again and I'd be happy. Yeah. So, you know, learning those foods that satiate you is huge because, yeah. you know, the amount of cal the amount of calories in a thousand grams of potatoes is I actually think something like 600, 650. Yeah. Not a lot for, for the volume of yeah, food. For how much you're eating. It's not a lot. That's just like fiber. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it's huge difference there. So you can make it feel like you're eating a ton. And the calorie amount is not very high. Yeah. Um, and like the food palatability reward hypothesis, I find that there is kind of most people fall within a spectrum on where they're going to be effective with that. Okay. Um, 
you know, you get the guys that are like hardcore bodybuilders. You get Mike, who's eating, you know, broccoli and oatmeal mixed together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you get the people who like, if you try to tell them to eat, you know, something that plain, they're just gonna be like, nope, I'm not dieting. This is not for me. I don't care. Anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so you have to find kind of where that is for you as an individual, but it's super, super helpful because right. especially if you've ever been on that tail end of a diet, you know that you are hungry and even stuff that you may not generally like that much tastes pretty dang good. Yeah. I've eaten some weird stuff in, in the deep and end of the diet. You, you know, any of us that have diet have experienced that, like that first pizza after a diet or that first deal of ice cream, whatever. Yeah. And you're just like, God, this is better than sex. Yeah. Uh, you know, but of course, if you then eat it for a couple of weeks, you're like, yeah, Meh. it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, so just kind of learning that where it's like, this is good enough that I enjoy it. And I still want to eat this meal, but it's not so good that I'm going to finish this meal and go in the cupboard and try to find what else or make this again. Right. Right. That's going to put me over. Yeah. And I think a big thing there too is considering the trade-offs, right? If you're going to have something that is more calorically dense and less satiating, is that really the trade-off? Like, are you going to spend, like, if you look at your calories as a budget, are you going to spend a large ch chunk of your budget in order to have like something taste good, but then not feel satiated, right? Yeah. And that's that, I think considering that trade-off, is it worth it? Like for me, it's not. I will exactly, eat exactly. Exactly. I have a really, and it's it's not as bad as it used to be. Yeah. You know, when I first started, I got in kind of when that whole IIFYM thing, yeah, was really starting to kind of leak into the, the yeah. online fitness world, and you know the whole you know you had bodybuilders were like, I prep eating ice cream and pop tarts every day, and it's yeah. like that's cool. That was stupid. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like okay, you know, you're cool. You spent 800 calories every day and you spent the whole rest of your day wanting to eat your arm. Right. Right. Um, and there's uh, kind of a, another book or uh, author, at least that it, I recommend people check out is uh, Gretchen Rubin. And okay. she talks about the idea that people are moderators or abstainers. Okay. I've you heard that before. People that can, you know, if you, say you know hey you know you you can have this but just have a little bit of it they're going to be like oh i that makes sense i get it and so you know it's going to come you know the end of the night they have a little extra calories you know maybe they're going to have some greek yogurt maybe they put you know crumble some oreos on it you know they're moderating that intake of that hyper palatable food yeah and they can it, do it's it it's enough that they're, they're not going to want to eat you know the whole cupboard they're not going to eat the whole packet of oreos and then you have the abstainers, and the abstainers is where I fall in. And you know, I'm the person that if you if we're eating pizza, you give me a slice of pizza, and you're like, "All right, that's all you're allowed to have." I'm going to tell you, you better run away from me because I'm about to punch you if you don't give me the rest of that pizza. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I don't want to just have a little bit. I do better just saying, you know what, that doesn't fit within my goals right now, so I'm going to not have that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because and I think it'll just make me hungrier. It'll irritate me. I'll be stressed out. That's my yeah. personal. Right. No, um, actually, maybe I haven't heard that or, or I don't remember it very well. But um, that's really interesting because I look at my food behavior and I'm definitely uh, an abstainer as well. Whereas yeah. like I can't uh, a macros approach where I fit in foods that are, um, 
you know, maybe not as satiating and maybe super palatable, it doesn't work for me. And it creates a, a binge response and, and, and identifying that is really important. Um, so Luca, sorry, my dogs are freaking out. It's fine. Um, we didn't put our dog up so he didn't bark. <laughs> I know my, my girlfriend's not home right now, so I don't have someone to keep them from freaking out. Um, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's really important to, to be able to identify that, um, and, and know if you can handle some volume and, and it could be certain foods too, I think, right. It's like some foods yeah. create that response for you, whereas other foods you can have, like, I think I remember the last diet, I, I just had a piece of chocolate just so I could say, Hey, I can have a piece of chocolate because before I'd never really had that flexibility and never allowed myself, mm-hmm. especially deep into a diet, especially with a large caloric budget, because I am a larger individual, yeah. um, is being able to say, Hey, look, you can have this and it's not going to affect your progress. That was just something I was like psychologically just practicing. So I can say, Hey, look, this food is not inherently bad. Uh, you can have moderation. Um, but I think that's, that's really cool. I think understanding that. And, and, and one thing that I want to point out there is that, that this is a very individual, it, yes, it's calorie deficit. But at the end of the day, it, it, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that because you're dealing with individual psychology and, and, and individual, um, you know, hormones and, and, and just all these different things. It's, it's a lot more complicated. Like when yeah. I first got into helping others, I was like, oh, I've just given them this meal plan that puts them in a deficit. It's going to work. And it is not that simple at all. And it's, it's been a lot of learning on my end as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a huge thing when you're, especially when you're working with other people. Because you have to have this constant communication. Yeah. You have yeah, to figure, figure out where they are and then you have to meet them there. Yeah. You know, because because they're coming to you for your knowledge and your expertise. And then to say, okay, well, that's great. But now you have to meet me generally won't work for most people. Got it. So learning to how to meet individuals where they are is, I think, one of the things that will make a, like a fantastic personal trainer or somebody that's coaching somebody. Okay. So, and, and maybe an example of meeting some more, there are like, um, uh, when I think w- when, when you say that is like they, well, her here, you give an example maybe of, of what, what that may be. What that okay. Might like so, um, uh, I can give a, there, an example from like a gin pop, uh, kind of person. Yeah. It is, you know, especially with gin pop, you, you know, keto is the big thing right now. It's been that way for a while. Yeah. And they're going to come and they're going to be like, well, I can't eat carbs. You know, carbs are bad. You know, if I eat, if I eat a carb, if I smell a carb, I'm going to gain 10 pounds. Right. And they're so just dug into that, that you're like, all right, well, here's a diet, eat 300 grams of carbs a day. Got it. They're going to say, you're an idiot. I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. So it might be a, you know what, like, I, I see where you're coming from, you know, uh, you talk to them, you're like, you know, do you struggle? You know, do you kind of crave carbs sometimes? You know, do you, is that something you struggle with? And you find out, well, yeah, you know, I try to do keto, but you know, probably every four days I slip and I end up having bread with my dinner or, you know, French fries or something like that. And you're like, I get that. I, I totally see where you're coming from. So you maybe, you know, kind of talk them through a diet and you're like, <clears throat> all right, so we're going to have you know, breakfast, lunch, um, and a snack, we're going to keep this, you know, it's going to be low carb. It's going to be the things you're used to, the things you've been doing, but let's introduce, you know, 50 grams of carbs. Let's give you some bread or some potato or X, Y, Z in this dinner meal. Yeah. And we're just, just doing this one meal. And that's an easier buy 
Got it. Than yeah. saying, all right, I'm going to give you this diet that tells you to eat, you know, 200 grams of carbs every single day when they've been, you know, afraid to eat a vegetable because it's got four grams of carbs. Yeah. And then, and then maybe use that as an example, like, Hey, look, see, if you eat 50 grams of carbs, it's not going to derail your progress. Exactly. You know, kind then of show you can them get yeah. buy-in from them. And you're like, got you know, it, hey, got you're, it. Makes sense. Great. you're still losing weight. How are you feeling? They have more consistency with the diet because they're not struggling with that every few days. They're like, Oh, I can't do this. Give me, you know, and they eat what they're not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, kind of going to the other end, um, I have a client who, um, I've coached him through a few photo shoots. Yeah. Um, now I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of using refeeds. Um, I, I, there, there's a time and a place for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I'm not one of those people that's going to every single client's going to have refeeds every single week. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we kind of had a little bit of a struggle early on because it would come to the weekend and he would want to have a bit more freedom. He would want to be able to go out and like, you know, the dude, he, again, he was doing a photo shoot. So he's not getting on stage. He doesn't have to be like, you know, absolutely shredded, but he has goals he wants to achieve. So it's like, all right, I talked to him. We decided we are going to pull down the calories a little bit <clears throat> during the week. During the week yeah. And on, you know, Saturday, I want you to not worry about your macros. I want you to worry about hitting protein and maintenance calories. And that, so if your fat is up higher than normal and your carbs are down lower or whatever, your carbs are through the roof and you have like almost, you know, very little fat, I'm not too worried about it. You have, you know, these 3,500 calories to play with. You have to take your 200 grams of protein and the rest just have fun. Yeah. And once we did that, all of a sudden he was consistent every single week, losing weight, just like we wanted him to. Yeah. And he got to his goal. He did a photo shoot, looked great, felt great. And he didn't have any more struggle once we figured that out. Yeah. For him, it was just that one piece that was missing. Is, yeah, is exactly. So it's just him. finding that, like, where people are, what are, they, what are they needing, what are they struggling with, and figuring out how to, instead of saying, well, you know, put your big boy pants on and deal with it, Yeah. how to work through it with them. Right, right, definitely. Yeah, and uh, I think, <laughs> too, is, is what you said initially is, like, with, with the first example, it's like, don't, don't invalidate, you know, them, try not to make them feel like what they've been doing is wrong or anything like that. Don't, don't make yeah. people feel dumb. Right. Just say, Hey, look, maybe we should try this thing. That's a little bit different and, and kind of ease them into that process instead of completely shifting everything all at once. That's something yeah. that I've, I've kind of changed over time is starting to look at like, okay, how do we walk someone into this process? Because, you know, uh, when I'm working with a bodybuilder, it's like, yeah, sure. They can handle a meal plan. They can yeah. maybe handle macros Whatever. a little bit. Right. But if you've never tracked your intake, you've never, you know, looked at how much protein you take in a day, you know, it's, it's baby steps, right? It's, it's like, Hey, look, let's just try to eat more protein this week. Like try to have yeah. a protein with every feeding. Okay. Next week, I want you to, to put all of that into my fitness pal, you know, like, and just slowly work them into something like that. And then, like you said, mm -hmm. too, is meeting them where they're currently at as well. If they have um, something that they've already been doing, or they have uh, a certain, you know, like uh, activity that they'd like to enjoy or something like yeah. planning around that and, and, and structuring around that too. Um, because there's, there's definitely a balance of like optimality and sustainability, especially for someone who isn't a competitor, right? It's like yeah. optimality for competitors up here and sustainability can, it's, it still it needs to be there, but the shift is different. Important. Yeah. Right. right. The shift yeah. is a little, it's a little more sustainability for someone mm -hmm. who's not trying to be a competitor 
optimality can drop a little bit to make it more sustainable. If that, you yeah. know, that makes sense. Um, and, and it kind of sounds like what you're saying. That's what would be the case. Cool. Um, and uh, let's see, I wanted to touch. Um, I mean, I don't know if this has a lot of overlap, honestly, that like, I didn't even have that question written down. I just think it just kind of uh, came out from what you were talking about. Um, what is something that you uh, challenge that maybe you face when um, maybe a personal training client comes to you, what's, what's like the, the, something you see a lot and it may have some overlap to what we just talked about, um, but maybe what, what's something that you see a lot and, and something that you, you deal with a lot um, as a PT and, and coach. Okay. So uh, to, to, to prevent there from being a whole lot of overlap, I'm going to do this one on training because I get this a lot too. Yeah. yeah. Especially for people who have gone to another trainer. Um, I'm, one of the first things I do with clients is I will talk to them and I will say, I want you to tell me how important, like your goal that you're telling me you have, how important is it? Yeah. And is the time that you're spending with me, is that a time that you want to have be fun or is it a time you want to be focused on achieving that goal? And okay. for some people, you're going to have some clients that are like, I, I want to be able to have fun. And you're going to have to take that into consideration and say, okay, we can make some adjustments to what maybe we would normally do. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you're going to have clients who are like, it's really important. You know, I, I have this cruise I'm going on and I really want to lose this weight and I want to look good. You say, okay. And that's their buy-in. So I am not concerned about making the workout fun per se. Yeah. And by that, I mean, you, you know, and I've seen this, I've, had clients come to me that have had other trainers and they are just doing the most random things ever something different every single week you know doing bicep curls to shoulder press to reverse lunge while standing on a bosu ball yeah and i'm like cool that's fun i get it but it's not really doing anything yeah so one of my biggest struggles with clients is just getting that initial buy-in of you know look this is this is simple. It is not sexy. It is not flashy. It is right. simple, but it's going to work. Yeah. Um, so when, like I mentioned kind of at the start, m most of the clients I train, it's very much just like I would train somebody that has physique goals. It's just yep. dialed back to where they're at. Absolutely. You know, so we're going to, we're going to squat. We're going to leg press, hack squat. We're going to, you know, dumbbell bench press. We're going to do pull downs or pull ups and rows and all that stuff. And it's super basic and it's super boring. And they will see, you know, all these other people in the gym that their this. trainers are, you know, having them do these wacky exercises and they have 18 bands on them and all this stuff. And, yeah. you know, it looks cool and it looks fun. And it's just getting them to understand fun doesn't necessarily mean the results yeah have you had to deal with that too much um not a whole lot um i mean i think i and and i and i could do a better job at this and that's something i've learned recently is, is like trying to understand where they're at and how serious they are about their goal yeah too. um generally speaking i'm like hey look if again if this is what you if you want the most progress then it's going to be these basic things i try to talk them through like hey look like let's not get attached. Let's get attached to like, you know, looking at, uh, your daily, like, Hey, you're going to, you're, you're five pounds stronger. Like you've, you've been able to increase this lift, like trying to get them attached to those things and kind of look forward to those things. 
um, instead of, you know, like in, 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 an, in an exercise program where there's a lot of novelty, it's like, oh, I get to do this exercise next week. I try to get them to look forward to like making progress on their lifts. And, 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 yeah. and, I, and I try to get excited when they like improve their technique on something and try to, to, to kind of get these like little wins and, and these little things to get excited about um, because I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really do a lot of that, like what I see going on around. And that's what I did yeah. before. Um, how is like, how, how would you, if someone was like, Hey, look, my, my goal is to be like, you know, is to have a lot of fun and enjoy my workout. Optimality is probably a little bit lower on the, 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 the scale of importance for me. What would something like that look like? Would, would you, so, you probably still have some of the same principles? I'm, I'm yeah. Sure. A lot of, honestly, a lot of it would still be the same, Yeah, but we're definitely going to have more like the base will be the same. So we're yeah. going to do, you know, some big compound movements. But then, you know, towards the end of it, maybe in the last 15 minutes, it's like, all right, we, we've done our, you know, we've done a big, you know, a hip hinge. We've done a squat, you know, a push and a pull. We have a little bit of time, so let's go, and we're going to do an arm superset. You know, get a okay. real big pump, you know. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, you know, some people love doing this. I don't know why, because it's god awful. But we're gonna go get on the assault bike and do a sprint, or we're gonna push the prowler. You know. And, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's still really like it's it's super useful stuff, especially for you know what their goals are. It's right. just not something that I would generally do. It's, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it, though, because those are things that I will mix in. It's not gonna be the same every week. A lot of times, it's just something that it's fun. It's not a huge deal. It it's kind of a little cherry on top. Yeah. Okay. So I do this, do the same thing. When I, when I take someone on, I'll be like, I'll ask them like, what, what kind of exercise do they do or have they done? What exercise do they enjoy? And I try to put some of that enjoy factor, depending on how yeah. much they want out of it. I try to put some of that enjoyment factor into it. And, um, like I, I, I did this, uh, recently, actually someone came to me and, and said they really like like sled pushes and like farmers carries and those types of exercises. And I'm like, Oh, it's perfect. I can just put that at the end of a session, yeah. you know, maybe keep the rest times a little bit shorter and it'll be kind of fun. Right. And, 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 it's a little bit different of a, of a type of, of, of stimulus and an exercise. Right. Yeah. Um, so I do, I do apply that actually. And I'll do my, I'll do my stuff. I'm like a little bit of give and take. I'm like, Hey, this is the basic stuff. Get this out of the way. And then, and then some of their stuff as well. Yeah. Kind of something to look forward to. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. I think that's, that's really important. I mean, I think again, when we're talking about sustainability, can you sustain your diet? Can you sustain the training? Do you enjoy the training? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a really, really big part of it too. I tell, I, I tell clients like, you know, kind of like you mentioned at the start is you get people that are like, I'm going to come six days a week, an hour every day. And I'm like, okay, let's not, let's start two or three times a week and yeah. see how that goes. Because anybody can for six or eight weeks, go balls to the wall, you know, six days a week, an hour a day, you know, might as well just throw in an extra 45 minute of cardio in the evening. Yeah. Let's go. And they're going to crash and burn. Right. And then they're going to hate exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. the last thing. I want. Absolutely. I want people to enjoy it. I want people to look forward to coming in. And right. so it's like, all right, we're going to start here, you know, two days a week, three days a week. What does your schedule allow consistently? And that's another thing is that a lot of times people will be like, well, I can generally come four days a week. All right, well, let's do three days a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's really important is, is, and, and the thing is too, is once you show them, Hey, look, we can get results with this low amount. They're like it, 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 exercise 
and, and, and dieting, all that stuff seems so much more approachable and sustainable because people's assumption is that the entry level is like to do what I do, right. To do, to be a bodybuilder where you have to be the biggest loser. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's not the entry level is much lower. Right. Um, and I think you, you know, from like, I always think of like, like, uh, like MV and the concepts with RP and stuff. I'm like, you know, the MV or the MEV for someone who hasn't been training, hasn't dieted. It's so, so low. And, uh, to, to be able to get someone. Yeah. It's like, it's like, look, you just have to be able to get in here two days a week for 30 minutes. That's just, you know, that's, that's such a little, that's, that's a little bit less watching TV, like for 30, that's one episode of of TV, right? It's like, it's nothing. Right. Um, so trying to, to, to get people to understand that it's like what I do and I, and I've, and I've definitely tried to pay attention to this. Like what I do is not what everybody else should do. And then I, you know, five, maybe six years ago, I didn't really understand that as, as, as well, but I do now. And it's like, you know, nobody, you have to look at people, not from what you're, especially for someone who's getting into coaching or stuff. Don't look at people at like, they, they need to be doing what you do again, like what you said, like meeting them where they're at, right. Yeah. Understanding their needs, their wants and stuff like that. Right. Not if a lot of trainers, when they get into it, they copy and paste what they're doing to them. I lost weight doing keto. Uh, I, I, I gained muscle doing this strict meal plan. This is what I'm going to give to everybody. Right. Oh um, yeah. That's exact. Yeah. I mean, I see that over and over and over again in, yeah. in my gym, the other trainers doing that. And yeah, you know, it's, I get why the guys are doing that, but it's just, it, when it comes down to working on an individual level, level, it just, you know, it's going to be a selection bias. It's going to work. Right. It, it's going to work for Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, uh, or survivor bias, I think is another yeah. one. I think, I think Mike or someone said that too. It's like, you're going to get the people who survive that and, and, they have to happen to have, you know, either maybe they're a little more like resilient or they just, it just happens to work for them and they're, and they're, you know, you know, them as a person, but it's, it's going to be very few. And then you're going to have a lot mm-hmm. of fall off from there. Right. Yeah. A lot of people that just drop out. All right. Um, well, I'll get you out of here in a sec. Um, one more thing. I actually just had uh, Steve Hall on and he did the uh, weighted vest experiment. I've yep. also, I've also done the weighted vest experiment and I'm seeing more people do it. So I wanted to get your experience. You got really lean recently, mm-hmm. right? Um, how did you use the weighted, uh, apparel and, um, did you feel like it had any impact on, on your, um, so this, this is kind of funny. Um, I don't know, was it, I think it was 2019 when James Krieger, uh, you know, yep. did his stuff with, uh, yeah, I remember my coach at the time Eric. sent me the article. What was that? Um, and what's funny was probably like three or four years ago, I was talking to a buddy and we had this same idea. We were like, really, you know, if you lose 20 pounds, what if you just put a vest on, you know, could that kind of negate it? And I did it a little bit, but it was kind of like, uh, not a whole lot. Um, yeah. So when, when James Krieger did it, it kind of like reignited that idea for me. Well, that first year, uh, whenever he, he did it, I, I had a 20 pound vest I started wearing and it was pretty good. Um, and at the time I, I did the whole thing. I would wear it, you know, basically sun up to sundown. Yeah. And then I did what every bodybuilder, you know, does their mentality is, is if some is good, more has got to be better. So I got a 40 pound vest and started wearing it right from a 20 pound vest. Oh, geez. And uh, about three weeks go by. And I have had a headache for probably about 10 solid days. My shoulders hurt. My low back is 
killing yeah. me. My ankles hurt. My calves are swollen. And I'm like, well, this is dumb. I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> so um, this time I had a much more like, all right, I'm not going to be stupid approach to doing it. And I, uh, I wore it during the day like while I'm at work. And so, yeah. you know, it could be, you know, between six to you know, nine hours that I'm wearing it, moving around throughout the day. Yeah. And for me, you know, I'm say an average of 15,000 steps a day. Well, maybe in total, like 11 to 12,000 or with the best. Uh, and I did find it super helpful. I, I found that doing that you know, 20 pounds, which was a roughly about 10%, which um, if you kind of go back and look at that article uh, that James Krieger wrote, uh, he kind of talked about using like a 10%, you know, of your you know, weight as a best, if you're doing it like at the start of a diet. Got it. You know, you take, you know, 10% of your weight. So 200 pound male, 20 pound vest. Got it. Um, and I think it worked great. Like I didn't really have much fatigue from it. Um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't struggling with like the low back pain. Not using, yeah. Like not using that. a lot of weight too. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a ton. It's not like, again, not like carrying 40 pounds around for, you know, 11 hours. Yeah. Suddenly when I have yeah. yeah. So um, I'm actually a big, big fan of the weighted vest thing. I think it's a super great idea if it fits your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Huge caveat. Yeah. Um, but if you can, I think it's really helpful. Uh, I, I would say it probably netted me like 300 or so extra calories a day. Yeah. I, uh, when you're hungry, 300 calories is like it's a lot. It's a, it's a difference between you know, breaking the diet or not sometimes. Yeah. It's funny. I did a video on it. So I did it, uh, an experiment I did a video and my calculation was probably around anywhere from two or two to 400 calories. Yeah. And I was, I just said the exact same thing. I was like, look, when you're dieting, that's a lot of calories. Like that's, that's, you know, four, 400 calories is 50 carbs or something like yeah. that. Right. I'm like, it's a, it's a lot. Right. Um, so that's the exact same thing I said in that video. Although I am excited now seeing you and seeing Steve have some success with it because I didn't do it correctly the first time. And then I had the pandemic, which shut down my prep too. Yeah. Um, so I never really got to see it, you know, fully play out. Um, but mine, mine is funny like that, the initial uh, try with it. So my coach sent me that article and he said, replace one, you know, every pound you lose. So as I lost a pound, if I lost a pound on the scale, I'd add a pound to the vest, right? And I have uh, had this like bulletproof looking one and had uh, two pound sand, sandbags in it. Yep. I, had, I had ankles. Uh, I eventually bought a waist one. I have the 12 yeah, pound. I literally I have, like, all a, out like Eric did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he because he mentioned distributing it. So I was like, okay, that'll yeah. work. Um, and I had a bartending job at the time. So I was wearing it under my clothes. So I just looked ridiculous. <laughs> I had a I had the belt on at one point and I was like hiding it with my apron. And I was like, man, this like I probably look so silly, like with the ankle weights and everything. <laughs> But I was like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't really care. You know, it's, this is what I've done. And I invest a lot of time and money into it. So it's, it is what it is. Um, but okay. So I started at 285 and I think I was down 230 at the end of it. So uh, I, I was, end, I ended up wearing like almost 50 pounds at the end of that. Yeah. Oh, yikes. And I, I, I had like almost like this like fear of the way that I felt like of, of putting it on. And, and after I stopped doing it, I had this like 
anxiety of not wearing it because I'd been wearing it for so long and it was so much. It was just yeah. like such a psychological burden that I, I felt weird not wearing it. It was such a, I don't know if you got this after you stopped wearing it, just kind of yeah. felt form, but I think you had more periods of like taking it off and having it like normal. Like I was wearing 50 pounds morning to night. Right. And it was, yeah, uh, man, that's brutal. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of like how I did when I, the first time I did it. Right. Uh, where I had, you know, I worked up that 40 pound best and it's, yeah, it sucks. So I, you know, I, I like the way Steve has done it. You know, he started so, yeah, the, off with like a 10 half hours. Hour. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I think like, you know, like I said, now I only wear it while I'm working. Yeah. And so I have time without it. It's not, it doesn't feel nearly as just crushing. Yeah, exactly. All consuming. Right. And I think, you know, finding that balance of like the added benefit of burning a little bit more calories and like feeling a little bit better, but not, there's a trade-off not being so burdensome. Yeah. I think yeah. what I would do is probably do kind of what Steve did. Um, and then maybe just kind of have like a net time. So if I feel like it's kind of like, it's kind of a lot at a certain point in the day, I might take it off and just like, make sure, Hey, you know, you have like five hours you need to wear it today. Just make sure you hit that five hours while you're walking. Yeah. Right. Or something like that. Um, so it doesn't seem so burdensome. Um, and I, and, and I talked to you about this too, as, as, as maybe trying it towards the latter half. Like if I try it in prep, maybe towards the latter half, after I do my first diet to get lean enough to do, you know, the second diet, yeah. right. Getting to like the 10% area maybe that's when I'd start applying it instead of having it this yeah, whole get it when you really need every little bit. Yeah. 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 You'll, uh, you know, um, pull that tool out of the tool belt when you need it kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. All right, man, I'll let you get out of here. Um, yeah. I think this is a really cool conversation. I think a lot of people could take value out of hearing a lot of this stuff. Um, I think it's, it's really cool what you're doing and, and the way you're able to help people. I'm sure, you know, it makes a huge difference and uh, it's really cool to see people actually practicing that because when I, when I look around and this is why I got back into personal training is if I could just, you know, maybe stop some of that, uh, well, I guess fuckery from happening. Yeah, it's I know just, exactly it, what you're I, talking about. I, uh, I want to be a part of that in any way I can. And if I can kind of impact some people, um, in that way, that's really important to me. So it's kind of why I'm doing this podcast and, and, and kind of why I, I got into training, um, a little bit more as well. Yeah. So, awesome, yeah man, thanks. thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, where, where can people find you? And, uh, any, any, you know, well, things you uh, want to plug. You can, uh, look me up on Instagram. It's just, uh, at Trevor X gauge G A G E. And basically you're just going to mostly see a lot of lifting videos and occasionally yeah. videos, but right. Yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's super important though. I think, uh, and that's why I try to post my training too. Even if I'm just like, I don't really have anything to say. It's just like, here's my training yeah. as I want people to kind of like look at it and, 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 you know, I try to lead by example with my training. And I think you do as well. Yeah. It's like, Hey, look, this is, this is what proper execution should look like. Um, you know, and I think it gives people a lot of ideas. You can kind of troubleshoot. And, and, and I, I know you're really good about this is answering questions. You'll go on like Mike's posts, you'll go on my posts, you know, you'll, you, on your own posts, you're really good about like, if someone has a question and they're not sure about something, maybe individual to themselves, you always answer that, which you always take the time to, to do that. And I think that's super helpful for people as well. Um, so definitely give Trevor a follow. And I, and I think that would uh, give you a lot of value as far as if you're trying to learn more about training and stuff. So. All right. Well, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks for coming on. Later.